this morning. We'll read a few verses of scripture and pray and then we'll let you be seated this morning. Luke chapter number uh, 9 this morning. That's good singing. Amen. Appreciate you so much being here this morning in God's house and looking for what God's going to do in the service in the preaching hour this morning. Amen. Just good to be saved. Good to know Jesus. Amen. And God's given us such a good year and I praise God for what he's already done and uh, I believe the best is yet to come. Amen. We're looking uh, forward to what God doing great things. Don't that parking lot look good out there? It's not even finished and it looks good. So it's going to look better next Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, if the rain holds off, we'll have you a place to park a little extra. And so it's a good problem to have. Amen. And God just been so good to us. Luke chapter number 9. And we'll begin reading in verse number 18. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. Look at verse 22, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do want to thank you this morning through your presence. Thank you for the singing. We ask you to bless now the reading of thy word and may you be glorified in all that will be said and done. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach a few minutes this morning out of verse number 22 on Christ, the Son of Man. Christ, the Son of Man. I want you to notice in verse number 18 the request. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say ye the people that I am? Jesus asked the disciples who the people said that he was. Now, you can mark it down. Anytime the Lord asks a question, it's not because because he didn't know the answer. Amen? He wasn't seeking information. It's kind of like one of your children at home when they do something and you ask them, well, why did you do that? You're not really seeking information. You're not really trying to uh, figure out why they did. You already know why they did, but you're trying to get them uh, to see the truth that needs to be before them. And so that's what Christ is doing here. And we notice the request in verse number 18. Then we notice the rumors in verse number 19. They answering said... John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. The reply is that some thinks he's one person, and some thinks he's another. And what it proves is, is that the world really doesn't have no idea who Jesus Christ is. Amen? They didn't know who Christ was then, and they don't know who Christ is now. And we have the responsibility to carry the gospel to a lost and dying world, and to reveal Jesus Christ to them. We preach not ourselves, Paul said, but we preach Christ Jesus. Amen. We tell the world the glorious news uh, uh, that Jesus is mighty to save. Uh, and so we see the request and we see the rumors. Uh, but notice the recognition in verse number 20. The Bible said that he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. Amen. Uh, Peter, my friend, answers uh, that Jesus Christ uh, is the Son of God uh, of man. 
Matthew declared it this way, that Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm glad Peter knew who Jesus was. Amen. And can I tell you, all of his disciples, if they're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, they know exactly who he is. Kind of like the songwriter wrote that song. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. And I'm glad I can raise my hand this morning and say, thank God I'm glad I know him this morning. I know who he is. But best of all, he knows me. Amen. And that is the question. Do you know Jesus in the free pardon of sin? And so we see the recognition. And then in verse 21, notice this restriction here. He straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. Now here's the question. Why would Jesus tell the disciples not to tell it when he tells us to tell it? Well, I'll tell you why. Because my friend, his time had not yet come. He knew he was going to Calvary. He knew the devil would use that against him. And my friend Jesus made himself of no reputation. Why? Because he took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Christ was all about Calvary. He was all about going to the old rugged cross. He didn't come for name and he didn't come for fame. He knew after his death and resurrection he would charge and commission the disciples to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel. But until then, his mission and his goal was to go to Calvary and die for you and I. Amen. He's going to tell us that in the next verse. And what we have in these scriptures this morning that makes them so significant is if you look at verse 20, we have Peter declaring Christ to be the Son of God. And then in verse 22, we have Jesus declaring himself to be the Son of Man. He is the Son of God, as Peter declares, and He is the Son of Man. It's interesting that it's man declaring Him to be God. And Christ being God in the flesh is declaring Himself to be man. I think that's an interesting note in this passage. Uh, Peter says, you're the Christ. Uh, You're of God. You're the Son of the living God. And then Jesus turns around and puts this title on Himself in verse 22 and denotes Himself to be the Son of Man. You say, Brother gravely which is he? He's both amen. He's the son of God and he's the son of man. He has a divine side. He is the only begotten son of of God. He had a human side. He was the son of man. Jesus was every much man as you and I was but yet he was every much and is every much God as what God is this morning and when you think about it Christ used that term in the book of Matthew 32 times. Uh, He's referred to as the son of man 14 times in the book of Mark. He's referred to as the Son of Man. 26 times in the book of Luke. He's referred to as the Son of Man. 10 times in the Gospel of John. He's referred to as the Son of Man. What I'm saying this morning, and you've heard it said many times, uh, that the Son of God became the Son of Man so that we, the sons of men, might be able to become the sons of God. I'm glad that He left the portals of glory. I'm glad He laid His royalty and His splendor aside. Uh, I'm glad He left uh, the host of angels and he came to a sin-cursed world and walked amongst sin-cursed men. And he not only came amongst men, but he came as a man. He lived as a man. He died as a man. And he rose as a man. He is the God-man, but he is the Son of Man this morning.
And the Father supports Christ this morning as the Son of Man. He had part in his ministry while he was here on earth. God the Father had part in the ministry of Jesus Christ. You say, what do you mean? I mean, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 that the Father sent his Son. The Bible said, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman made under the law. He not only sent his Son, but he sealed his Son. The Bible said in John 6 and verse 27, Christ said, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but not for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him God the Father sealed. Amen. The Father sent the Son, and the Father sealed the Son. And then the Father taught his Son. In John chapter 8 and verse 28, the Bible said, then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Christ was sent by the Father, he was sealed by the Father, he was taught by the Father, he was honored by the Father. In John chapter number 8 and verse number 54, Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. You know, it could do good for some people to remember that. If you honor yourself like Absalom did, then your honor is absolutely nothing. Amen. It is my Father that honoreth me of whom you say that he is your God. I'm telling you, God put his stamp of approval on the Son when he came into this world. He was the Son of God, but he was also the Son of Man. And the Father sent him for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And the Father sealed him. And the Father taught him. And the Father honored him. And the Father commanded his Son. In John 10 and verse 18, the Bible said, No man taketh it from me, talking about his life. But I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. God commanded his Son. He said, You'll lay your life down and you'll take your life up when you're ready. Amen. At the appointed time, at the divine hour. And Jesus on the cross in John chapter 19 and the final prayer of his life and the final saying of his life before the grave. Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Amen. I'm telling you, God commanded it and the Son commanded it. Amen. And God honored that. And he bears witness to his Son. He said in John 8 and verse 18, I am one that beareth witness of myself and the Father has sent me and beareth witness of me. He loves his Son. In John 10 and verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. He glorifies his Son. In John 12 and verse 28, he said, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Amen. I'm telling you the Father had part in the Son and he is the Son of God, but he is the Son of man this morning. Christ, the Son of Man. Y'all still with me? Y'all ain't mad about what I said during the offering, are you? Because if you are, I'll say more about it. Come on now. 
I'm talking about he glorifies his son. He raises his son. Amen. Ephesians 1 and verse 20. The Bible said which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Uh, he exalts the son. He said which he wrought in Christ. Uh, and he said he was, uh, raised him in heavenly places. Uh, the father elevates the son. Uh, the son of God. And Christ the son of man. He makes the son the head of the church. In Ephesians 1 and verse 22. He anoints his son. In Isaiah 61 in verse number 1, he delights in his son. In Isaiah 42 in verse 1, in Matthew 3 in verse 17, when he spoke out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He offers his son in John 3, 16 and John 18, 11 and Romans 8 in verse 32 and 1 John 4 in verse number 9, he commits all judgment unto his son. In John 5 in verse number 22, I'm saying the son of man was the son of God and God the father put his approval on it. The Holy Spirit had part in the life of Christ. He was begotten by the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. We believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. We believe he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the Holy Spirit was begotten or Christ was begotten by the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit in Matthew chapter number 3 and verse number 6. 16. He preached in the power of the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18. He was sealed by the Spirit. And thank God in John 6 and verse 27. He was led by the Spirit up in the wilderness uh, to be tempted of the devil. In Matthew 4 and verse number 1, he worked miracles through the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 12 and verse 28, uh, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in Luke 4 and verse number 1, he sorrowed in the Holy Spirit in John chapter number 11 at the tomb of Lazarus. You remember when the Bible said that he groaned in his spirit and he was troubled. He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 21. The Bible said in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. Amen. He was offered up himself through the Holy Spirit in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 14 when the writer said how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience uh, from dead works to serve uh, of the living God. Uh, he was raised from the dead uh, by the Holy Spirit according to 1 Peter 3 and verse number 18. He was commanded, he commanded his apostles uh, uh, through the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 2. Uh, he breathed on the disciples, uh, on the apostles that day. Uh, I'm saying this morning uh, uh, that Christ is the Son of Man. Uh, uh, my friend, he came into this world. Uh, and God put his approval on him. The Holy Spirit put his approval on him. And thank God this morning, Christ is the Son of Man. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know him this morning. How can a man know God? Man can, go not, can know God through the Son of God who became the Son of Man. Jesus experienced all the limitations, traits, and characteristics of humanity. His physical traits. His body was conceived within his mother's womb in Matthew 1. He was born in Luke chapter 2. He lived within that body while on earth in Matthew chapter 26. He grew according to Luke chapter number 2. He possessed flesh and blood according to Hebrews 2 and verse number 14. It just wasn't the blood of Adam. It was the blood of God. Amen. He hungered in Matthew chapter 2 and in chapter 21 and verse number 18. He thirsted in John chapter number 4. 
4 and verse 7 and then on the cross in chapter 19 and verse 28 he slept on a boat in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 24 he sweat drops as of blood in Luke 22 and verse number 44 he suffered in verse Peter 4 and verse 1 he bled in John 19 and verse 34 and then he died in Matthew 27 and verse number 50 Jesus experienced the physical traits he experienced the mental traits he was wise according to Luke chapter number 2 and verse 40 and verse 52 he grew in wisdom he learned according to Luke chapter 2 and verse number 46 and Hebrews 5 and verse number 8 he experienced the emotional traits he loved according to Mark 10 and verse number 21 he displayed compassion all throughout his life my friend the emotional traits of Christ he's displayed compassion on the 5,000 in the desert that had no food he displayed it on the 4,000 in the desert in Matthew chapter number 15 he displays compassion upon two blind men in Matthew chapter number 20 upon a leper in Mark chapter number 1 upon a demon possessed man in Mark chapter 5 upon a widow in Luke chapter number 7 and then he was moved with compassion in Matthew 9 when he saw the multitude you say brother Gravely what are you saying I'm saying Jesus really is and he really was the son of man he experienced the physical he experienced the mental he experienced the emotional that's why in all points he was tempted as we are yet without sin he conquered everything physically he conquered everything mentally he conquered everything emotionally he knows who I am he knows who you are he knows what we're going through he lived in this tabernacle and he won the victory on every forefront because he is the son of man and the son of God this morning amen but when you think about it he was angered and grieved in Mark chapter number 3 he wept in John chapter 11 he experienced joy in Luke chapter 10 and verse 21 he was troubled in Mark chapter 14 and verse 33 he experienced a desire in Luke chapter 22 and verse 15 and then Jesus Christ in his body he experienced the spiritual traits Christ prayed all throughout his ministry Mark 1 and verse 35 said rising up a great while before day he went out into a solitary place and there he prayed amen do you realize that Jesus would have used his supernatural power he would have had to ask for anything because he's God he could have spoke those loaves and fishes and much more before the multitude. He could have brought manna down from heaven in the desert like they did for the children of Israel. But instead, Jesus took what man had, put it in his hands and blessed it, asked God to bless it and break it and gave it to them and it was by faith and it was through prayer that that great miracle was taking place. It did not take place through, you say, well, it was a supernatural event. Sure it was, uh, but the supernatural event, Jesus did not lean on his own power. He did not lean on his own mind. He did everything through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when he took those loaves uh, and he blessed them, he prayed a simple prayer, but he prayed it in the power of the Spirit and he thanked God and he trusted God to do the rest. Uh, is that not what he teaches us? 
us to do. Why would he do that? I'm going to tell you why. Because when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he didn't operate in his power, but he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit because he wanted to be an example. That's how you and I are to operate, not in our power of the flesh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus prayed just as he encourages us to pray. He was tempted in Matthew chapter number four. I'm simply saying this morning that Jesus Christ is the Son of Man. Ezekiel 6 and verse 2 said, The Son of Man said, Son of Man, set thy face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. Job said in Job 25 and verse 6, How much less man that is a worm? And the Son of Man, which is a worm. And the psalmist said in Psalms chapter 8 and verse 4, What is man that thou art mindful of him and the Son of Man that thou visiteth him? Say, preacher, what's the big deal about Jesus becoming a man? Is that my friend Jesus became a man so that he could relate to us and so that we could relate to him. Do you realize this morning that the God we serve is God, but he is man. Jesus is at the right hand of his father. The relationship between one man and another man, a father and a son. And my friend, when Jesus spoke about himself, he spoke about himself as the Son of Man. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20, he said that the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. In Matthew 9 and verse 6, he said the Son of Man had power to forgive sins. In Matthew 12 and verse 8, he said the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, he said the Son of Man would be in the heart of the earth three days. In Matthew 13 and verse 41, he said the Son of Man will someday send forth his angels. In Matthew 16 and verse 27, he said the son of man shall come in great glory in Matthew 17 and verse 9 he said the son of man would rise again in Matthew 17 and verse 12 he said the son of man would suffer in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 2 he said the son of man would be betrayed into the hands of men in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11 in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 he said the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost amen in my friend Matthew 20 in verse 28 he said the son of man did not come to minister but to help and to be to others and to minister to them in Luke 12 and verse 40 he said the son of man will come again unexpectedly in Luke 12 and verse 8 he said the son of man shall confess believers before the angels and here in our text this morning Jesus once again refers to himself as the son of man at Calvary I'm saying this morning I'm glad that I serve a God that knows who I am and he knows where I'm at and he knows what I go through because he's already been through everything that I could ever go through and so much more. You say nobody understands where I'm at. Nobody understands how I feel. Nobody understands what I'm facing. Oh, I want to tell you this morning there is one. He's faced everything you ever going to face. He feels everything you could ever feel. He's been everywhere that you and I could ever go That's what makes him the great shepherd because he's the son of God. But he is the son of man this morning. Christ, the son of man. And in our text, Jesus brings us to one final thought this morning. The son of man at Calvary. 
Isn't that why Jesus became the Son of Man? I say this morning, why in the world would the Son of God want to become us? Ever thought about that? The answer is wrapped up in this verse. It's because of Calvary. I see the adamancy of Calvary. The Son of Man must. You ought to circle that word. He must suffer many things. Calvary was not an option. Calvary was not an afterthought. Calvary was not an accident. Calvary was not plan B. Calvary, my friend, was planned before the foundations of this world. Before there was a garden, there was a Calvary. Before there were stars in heaven, there was a Calvary. You say, are you a Calvinist? No. I just believe the Word of God. Amen. I'm a whosoever will. I'm telling you before God, as it's been often said, laid the mud seals of this whole world. Uh, My friend, there was a Calvary. Uh, When God came walking through the garden in the cool of the day, Adam was surprised, Eve was surprised, uh, and the devil was having a heyday. But God wasn't nervous one bit when he called Adam's name out. You say, why? Because there was a lamb that had already been slain before the foundations of this world. God already knew what was going to happen and everything was happening according to divine appointment. I'm saying this morning, Calvary is a must. Dear sinner, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to meet the Son of Man. And if you're going to meet the Son of Man, I'm going to tell you where you got to go. You're going to have to go to Calvary this morning. And just as Calvary brought out the humility of this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, if you get to Calvary, you'll have to humble yourself and come by way of the cross. You'll have to repent of your sins. You'll have to believe on Jesus Christ. You cannot trust yourself. You cannot trust good works. You cannot trust water baptism. You cannot trust putting tithes in the offering plate. You cannot trust being a doing good deeds. I'm telling you this morning, if you're lost, Calvary's a must, or you'll die without Jesus Christ, and you'll go to hell this morning. You know what the hell of hell is this morning? It's not the fire. It's not the worms. It's not the demons, and it's not the torments. It's not the darkness. You know what the hell of hell is this morning? It's that hell is a place where there is no God. It's a Christless eternity. Man may reject God and man may not know God, but man has a benefit whether he knows it or not, and that is he is living in God's world. Amen. You go out there and you look at those trees blooming this morning. You know what that's proof is? There's a God in heaven. Amen. I'm going to tell you who brings the sunshine who brings the rain uh, who raises the sun every morning and puts it to bed every night uh, who turns the stars uh, on and the moon on uh, until it's a God that lives high and lofty in the heavens uh, and man lives in a world uh, that everywhere he looks uh, it's proof uh, it's living proof uh, the four seasons of this world of this, uh, of this world that we live in proves uh, that there is a God uh, he brings the snow uh, he brings the sun shine. He brings the fall. He brings the summertime. He brings the pollen. Somebody say amen. It's just proof that there's life on every corner and that life came from a higher being and that higher being is God and that higher being's got a son and his name is Jesus and he became the son of man and he went to Calvary and he died for every sinner and sinner if you go to hell you're going to go to a place where the birds never sing, where the grass never grows, where the flowers never bloom 
gloom, where there is no sunshine, there is no moon, they light your way, there is no stars in the night. I mean, I feel good in my soul this morning because I've been to Calvary and I've seen the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be saved? I'm glad I'm in church this morning. And I'm glad I didn't have to be made come to church. It ain't a burden to come to church. I'm telling you this morning, I didn't get up dreading coming to church, did you? I'm telling you, I got up this morning, uh, uh, listen, drank everything I could outside of alcohol. Somebody said, man, I mean, I drank a, I drank a, sh- a protein shake uh, and some coffee and some water. Uh, and then I drank, uh, uh, listen, I drank one of them, uh, what, I'm trying to think what it is right now, one of them Plexus drinks, you know. Uh, you say, why'd you drink all that? Because I got to preach a bunch of Baptists, amen? And I never know if you're going to be fired up or if you're just going to look at me like some of you are right now but I'm just telling you it's good to be alive amen it's good to my friend to be saved I got up this morning I thought thank you Lord for another day this side of eternity thank you Lord for letting me live on this side of your earth thank you Lord for letting me have a King James Bible and Jesus in my heart thank you God for putting me in a good old fashioned Bible believing Baptist church thank you God for letting me go to a place where you still feel the presence and the spirit of God I'm saying this morning it's all because of Calvary it's all because of son of man it's all because of Jesus Christ we don't deserve it we didn't earn it it's not a right it's a privilege to be here this morning praise God hallelujah y'all glad to be here good because I got three more points I'm not going to preach to you hey the adamancy of Calvary. It's a must. Acts 4 and verse 12 said this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Are you saved this morning? Because you must be if you're going to heaven. The agony of Calvary. He suffered many things. The Bible said he was slain. The accusers of Calvary. Notice this. He was rejected of the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. You know what's interesting about that rejection? It was the religious people that rejected Jesus. Religion has always hated Christianity. And this morning, religion will not get you anywhere. Christianity, salvation is of the Lord this morning. Religion put Jesus on the cross. We know in reality it was God. But those that was the tool that was used to formed the trials to, to mock him, to move the crowd was religion, organized religion, rejected the Son of God. And then I see the anthem of Calvary. The Bible said that he was slain. You know the crucifixion is the climax of the suffering. Jesus went through all that suffering that he faced from prison to judgment, the trials, the persecution, the, the, the ridicule, the rejection, the brutality, the beating, the spitting on his face, the, the mocking him, the crown of thorns, the scourging post. He went through all of that, but it was all coming to one pinnacle. The brow of that hill was the climax of Christ's suffering. And my friend, when he laid down on that cross and that Roman soldier picked up that hammer and took that spike and Jesus opened his hand and that spike was put in that hand when that Roman soldier drew back and came down on that, on that spike with all of the fury of hell, you know what happened? 
God opened a fountain that day. And my friend, when they nailed his hands, they didn't just nail his hands. They nailed our sin to the cross that day. Thank God when they nailed this hand, when they nailed this hand, when they nailed his feet that day, and they elevated that cross and they lifted it up, our sins was lifted up that day. And Christ, just like the serpent that was on the pole, why a serpent on the pole? The pole represents Calvary. The serpent represents our sin. But Christ became our substitute. Would Christ become a serpent? Christ became worse than a serpent. The serpent's a picture of sin. Christ became the son of man. He became you and I that day on the Calvary. But he was the sinless son of God that day. When Jesus bore our sins, he bore our sins without any sin in himself. And though his his body died at Calvary that day, he gave his life's blood. And the blood that ran down the cross of Calvary is what washed away our sins. Hallelujah. It's the blood at Calvary that day. Thank God that became the sacrifice, the payment for our sin there. No lamb in the history and the annals of time down through the corridors of time would ever do and satisfy the altar. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, and he was that day as the son of man, he gave his life for you and I and the blood satisfied the payment for every sinner at the cross that day. And that's our anthem this morning. That's what we sing. But thank God verse number 22 don't end there. Look at the arising after Calvary. The Bible said he was slain, but notice this. He'd be raised the third day. I'm glad he got up. Amen. You know why we know that we've got hope this morning? Because of the resurrection. Thank God he didn't stay dead. You, can't, you can go to the tomb and you can visit it, but it's empty. You're not going to find Jesus there. I love that phrase in the book of Luke. The Bible said they came very early. They went to the tomb, but the Bible says, and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Why? Christ, the Son of Man, as we stand this morning. I have but one proposition today. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed.